Once when Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to your friend, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me! The door's locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, If you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you what you want because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, well, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Well, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The um, This prayer is more familiar to us in its longer form in Matthew's Gospel. and Luke's recording it one way. I'm sure this was a standard teaching of Jesus, teaching all of His disciples to pray. And so it's often called the Lord's Prayer. Some people uh, feel like Jesus was just teaching them to pray, so this isn't really His prayer, so it's sometimes called the Model Prayer. And besides that, there's that problem of praying for the kingdom. Isn't the kingdom already here? We'll get to that in a second. I wonder why we've never called this the disciples' prayer. Because this is the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. Not just these words, but the intent and the meaning behind it. He even throws in a parable to teach us what our attitude and our actions should be like when we're praying. I wonder why we've never been comfortable calling this the disciples' prayer. Maybe we've just never thought about it. I think we should call it the disciples' prayer. And what I want to encourage you to do is be praying this prayer every day. And I'll try to explain why. When you learn what Jesus is teaching us, the first thing he teaches us is to address God, the Creator, the Divine, the One without beginning or end. He teaches us to address the supreme being as Father. He invites us to call Him that. Have we ever stopped to think about that? Maybe Father's too common of a word. You've got your Trinity, your Father, Son, your Holy Spirit, Father. We, that's just the one in heaven. If you're calling Him Father, then what does that make us? Children. And this prayer 
if we address it as Father, if we address any of our prayers to the Father, they're really about relationship, not using words to manipulate divine supernatural power. The first word of the prayer invites us into a relationship with Him. And if we're His children, then we see one another as brothers and sisters. We see one another as family. And as family, we, con- we concern ourselves with the family name. And that's why that phrase, hallowed be thy name, or uh, make your name holy in all the earth, there's, there's different ways of translating it. But it's a request. It's a petition. This is the asking in the prayer that he talks about later. The asking, the seeking, the knocking. The ask is, Lord, make your name holy put it like this we're concerned about the family name we're concerned about the honor of that name we're concerned that more and more people understand that he is their father and they are his children and there's some people out there in the world that don't know that right now there are people in our own families there are some of us in here today and we're just not sure that we're his children maybe that's because of sin maybe that's because of doubt Maybe that's because of our sense of self-worth. God would never have me. I don't know that I can approach him as father. That seems too intimate. Maybe it's logic that holds us up. When we make his name holy, more and more people who God will sanctify are owning that name. The first ask of a disciple is that more people will own that name. You know, we, we get caught up in this asking and seeking and knocking. Now, does that mean that if I ask God for, uh, you know, a million dollars and a bulldozer, that that's what he's going to give me? Does that mean that if I ask God for a, uh, you know, a brand new sports car, that's what he's going to give me? I mean, do I have to pray in faith? This is a disciple's prayer. Not a selfish guy's prayer. This is a disciple's prayer. And when Jesus sends the 72 out, he sends them out on one of the most important missions you and I can ever participate in, his plan to save the world. It sounds like a big task, doesn't it? Is that too much for us to consider? Then why isn't it the first thing that we ask for when we get up in the morning? Lord, may your name be made holy. May your name be holy in my life, in the life of my family, in the life of people that I meet. Oh, we can get so caught up in the mission being on our shoulders. Why don't we just ask our Father to help us? He's invited us more than once. Remember that verse we looked at last week? Harvest is plentiful. We don't have enough workers In other words, there's a lot of people out there that need to hear the gospel. And there's very few of us actually willing to do this or can do this. They outnumber us. And so Jesus says, step one, ask the Lord of the harvest for workers. Let your kingdom come. I know there's been some debate on that. When I first became familiar with this being called the Lord's Prayer, no, call it the model prayer, no, this prayer is expired, this prayer no longer works. 
It's all because of the idea that the kingdom has come. The kingdom was established. It's established on the day of Pentecost. It's, it's established because this is pre-resurrection. This is post-resurrection. Okay, um, we can talk about that. Just not right now. Because <laughs> I don't want to discuss that right now. But I do want to ask you this question. You'll forgive me when you get out of here earlier, okay? You'll forgive me for not discussing that right now. Um, I want to ask this question. We, under, we, we recognize this phrase from Matthew's gospel, let your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm having to edit myself and not go into King James. Thy will be done. Let your will be done on earth just as your will is done in heaven. Okay, if that prayer is no longer necessary, let me ask you this. How often is God's will done in your life? Is there still a need for God's will to rule over your life? How often do you enact your own will rather than God's will? I can't speak for any of you. I'm just asking you to think about that. I can tell you right now, this prayer still applies because in Benjamin's life, Benjamin's will sometimes overrides God's will. I'm going to confess that to you. And boy, I need his will to be done in me on earth, just like his will is always carried out in heaven. That's what I want. And that's the struggle. And that's why this prayer is an appropriate disciple's prayer. And then we go from heaven, where God's will is always done, where God rules, where everything is perfect, straight to earth. The heavenly goals of this prayer and the earthly needs of those disciples praying it, they're not in conflict. You know, we often say to one another, hey, when we come in here, we're going to be focused on heaven's task. So leave all your cares and worries outside. I always marveled at that phrase because I wondered what my cares and worries were doing out there outside the door while I'm in here. I mean, are they ready to just jump back on me like ticks when I get back there? Or are they going to jump on someone else? Or someone else's cares and worries will jump on me. It's like, get off me. You belong to someone else. I don't want you. And if I leave them out there, do I have to go back and pick them up? Maybe I can duck out another exit and I'm gone and then they'll stay out there for another week. I don't see anywhere where God is asking us to forget that we're human beings, that we're made with hearts and minds and stomachs and runny noses and aching joints. He made us, he made us human. And he wants us to know that we are taken care of. And if a disciple goes out in mission, you'll remember that Jesus said to the 72 that he sent out, don't worry, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about those things because your Father in heaven knows that you need them. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, he says, your Father takes care of the world around you. And, they don't have, and you know, the birds and the, the flowers in the field, none of them have to work very hard. God loves you much more and he takes care of you. When we take it seriously that we are his children, well, we know that the Father is going to take care of his children because a father 
loves his children and takes care of them. And we know that as disciples, he's going to meet our daily needs. It's not a bad prayer to pray at all. Lord, give me today what I need. Give me the bread that I need. Give me the things that I need. And and bread is just so standard. It's so basic. But it can become anything. I don't think this necessarily includes the lottery. (laughs) I don't think this necessarily includes, uh, you know, that, that... that special relationship that you're looking for. or I think, it, I think all those things can be blessed by God. But the, the function of this prayer request is, Lord, and the verb, the verb is give. You give it, Lord. You give us. Because the opposite of you giving us is that we're going to go get. And how often do our prayers follow that pattern? Lord, we're going to do this we're going to go and uh, get this job and do this work and do this business. We're going to grow our church a certain way. We're going to go on this trip. We're going to go on that trip. We're going to do this for you. And Lord, what we'd like you to do is bless it. And so we have all of our plans and we have all of the things that we've got to do. We have all of the things that keep us busy. And then we want God to come and put the little seasoning on it of blessing. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Yes, it is. God's going to come and throw a sprig of parsley on it, spiritual parsley. Now it's perfect. It's done. Voila. Thank you, Lord. We did all of this, but it wouldn't be the same without your spiritual parsley. Thank you. This prayer is so basic. Lord, give us something to eat each day. Pray that prayer, and let's see how we grow as disciples brings it into forgiveness now and then the language there is it forgiveness or is it indebtedness forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us indebted to us how well this indebtedness and this sinning uh, another way to translate that is lord forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us from the time that we're children We go to those in authority and we seek justice. We're asked, why did we hit our brother or sister? Because they hit us first. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Why did you slap your brother? Why did you slap your sister? Because he's singing that annoying song. Because she looked at me funny. And, and we want things to be settled, and sometimes we go to the parents. And this is when you become a tattletale. And parents say that they don't like tattletales. What they really don't like is being interrupted. Now, before we pick on the children too much, adults, we do the same thing. If we say that we don't like tattletales, then why do we watch shows and read magazines and watch the news that's all about tattletaling? Hmm? I mean, turn on your news and it's tattling on the president, tattling on the Congress, tattling on this country, tattling on... We say, oh no, this is serious stuff, it matters. Hmm? If God is our Father, why are we worried about these other powers? 
If God is our Father, then don't we think that there's a kingdom coming that's much greater than all of these fine institutions on earth? Let me tell you, we can get caught up in that. Here's the message. If you're going to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, then we've all got to learn to live in grace. Because when God is settling matters, He is not manipulated by, yeah, but they did it first. They did me wrong. Let me tell you who hit who. God's saying we're going to have a new standard. It's going to be called grace. Because there's enough on all of you that I could just wipe you out if not for my love and grace. So we ask in this disciples' prayer. This is part of the mission, folks. Part of the mission is grace. Who's going to listen to a logical message about the Son of God, about the cross and resurrection, if it doesn't also come with the practice and the realization that what that does is create hope that the world can understand? What I'm saying is this. You can go out and you can preach the gospel as a logical proposition. You could go out and say, hey, random stranger, I want to talk to you just a second. Here's a point you need to know. There is a God. He had a son, died on the cross, resurrected from the tomb. There you go. Simple to believe, isn't it? Now here's what I want you to do. We'll never see each other again, but I wanted to propose this random mathematical, philosophical, propositional problem to you. Thank you, kind sir. I accept that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Very good. When people are listening to us, what is going on in them is the same thing that's going on in you. You have to warm up to those waters. I mean, this other person either thinks that God hates them, or they think that God loves them when they need to really get right with God, or they think there is no God. And the thing is, they're going to want to see how we practice this. If we preach this gospel, do we believe it? Has it made a difference? Does it change our lives? And one of the best ways that the world is going to see that right now, and I don't know that this has ever been different, is do we live by grace? Can we extend grace to one another? You look throughout history, and every time that the Christian uh, body, the Christian family, has proven the words that they preach, it's because they practice uncanny grace. Not very many years ago, Dylan Roof goes into a church, kills people there, and those people there have the power and the grace to forgive. That's not weakness, that's strength. That's not weakness, that's the power of God. Am I saying he shouldn't be punished for his crime? No, I, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about the ability to live under a different kingdom rule. This prayer is starting to look more and more amazing, isn't it? I hope it is. Here's the ultimate. We begin to realize that when we're praying this prayer, this isn't just a bunch of flowery words that we hang in a cross stitch on a wall. This is not just something that we can put on a bookmark and say, hmm, that's kind of spiritual. We realize that as disciples, how did Jesus put it? We are being sent out like sheep in the midst of wolves. I kind of wish he turned that around and told me that I was the wolf. You know, That'd be better. You're the lone wolf. You need to go out there and set those sheep right. Thank you, Lord. I like that. 
Yeah, the lone wolf. You get a motorcycle. You're the lone wolf. Don't need nobody. Yeah, that's a myth. Jesus says there's a violent, harsh world out there. There's demons that torture people. There are powers that um, cause pain and suffering in this world. Whether those powers are something unseen or something as common as bad choices. Things like guilt. uh, Things like sorrow. But when the 72 came back from the mission... They're pumped up. They're excited. They run to Jesus and they say, Jesus, when we mentioned your name, demons went on the run. They got scared. Jesus says, rejoice that God is working in you. So this prayer that we not yield to temptation, another way to put that would be we're praying that we don't fail the test. The test, the trial, the temptation. It's left general enough that it could mean a lot of things, but ultimately, it's this. It's whether or not we will remain disciples. Because there are things that will keep us from the mission. Demons get threatened by the mission of God. The forces of evil get threatened. The evil one gets threatened by the mission of God. Because God's going to take back what belongs to him. He has the power to do it. He's choosing to do it in his own way, and we are part of that way. And the reason why we're part of that way is not because God needs us, but we are part of what God is taking back from the evil one. We're the evidence of God winning this battle. To be disciples means that we don't fail the test when we come up against the evil in this world. It's not moral perfection we're talking about here. It's trust. It's the trust that if he is father and we are children, then when the evil one comes along, or, or, or when we have to face it, we're asking, Lord, don't even let it be a trial. Well, to wrap it all up, that simple prayer, Jesus says, just keep asking. Just keep asking. Sometimes this little story about the fellow who's in bed and the guy that shows up and he wants some bread to hand to his friend, we get the wrong idea. We get the idea that the prayer says, hey, you know what? Or that the parable says, you better be careful what you ask for because God just might give it to you. That's rotten. I mean, if, if God's going to do that to us, then, then God's some sort of trickster. Uh, he's like an evil genie in a lamp, you know. Mm, I'm going to give it to you, but there's going to be a price to pay. Jesus' point is that if bad, broken people can do the right thing and not even for the right reasons, then how much more can our Heavenly Father who takes care of us, who loves us, whose name is holy, 
who's bringing His kingdom rule in, a rule of grace that's going to overshadow and eradicate all evil. I mean, if we can trust a lousy neighbor who will take care of our needs and the needs of our guests just to shut us up, then how much more can we trust a God, a Father, who's got us doing His business for what really, truly matters? My challenge to you is pray this prayer every day. Put it in your own words. Pray it through any version. Just pray. Just keep praying. Keep asking. You're not going to ask for the wrong thing. Not if you're asking to be a disciple. God's children, they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to get this wrong because they're focused on their father. And they get it. Those of us who are parents, we understand that our children watch us. And they don't always do what we say, but they do as we do. So talk to your father. Have a relationship with your heavenly father. And just see that in time, you'll be doing as he does. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that your name be made holy We want it to be holy in all the world, but we know that that world starts with us. So we want your name to be holy on our lips. We want your name to be holy in our hearts. We want your name to be made holy in the people that we love and know and the people that we come across every day, whether we're passing by or whether we've known them for years. Father, we ask that your your will is finally and fully enacted on earth, that there's no opposition to that will. And we know that begins with us, disciples. Father, take care of us today. Give us what we need so that we will be undistracted and we can focus on the mission that you have sent us out in. Father, we're going to need your power among us so that we can practice grace so that we can give ourselves grace and we can extend grace to others. It's not easy, Lord, but we know it's right. We need you in this. And Father, keep us from the trials and temptations that will cause us to lose the battle to the evil one. Because Father, we know that you're the victor and you have won. And I pray that you will help us not to share in the evil one's defeat, but to share in your victory. We pray this in the name of our Savior and King Jesus. Amen. So if you want someone to pray with you, and that's certainly possible because we pray not to my Father, but to our Father. Some of our shepherds are going to be right here, and they'll be glad to pray with you. They'll also be back there. Just seek one of them out. Seek anybody out. And pray today. Let's stand and sing this song together.